0: wherever it is that you were. And Robinson, hey Robinson, good morning. So good to see you watching online. All right, let's get into today. What? Oh. Okay, today, part two of what I think is a really cool concept of this road to Easter and looking at all the plots that came out of the scriptures to take out Jesus, to kill him. And when I started to see all these little triggers that uh, uh, sparked what was or ended up being um, a, a plan or a plot to, to kill Jesus, I'm amazed at how many instances the scriptures tell us that led to this plot. But before that, there are some things that made me pause and ponder this week, and some of these are really good. Good morning, Jen. I see you watching online. Yay. All right, since it was St. Patrick's Day and Patty's birthday was on, St. Patrick's Day, just to give you an extra bonus, you know, birthday shout out. Yeah, I know you don't mind. Uh, St. Patrick writes, Christ beside me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me. There is no place that Christ isn't. Really important to remember that. This next one. It's okay to have Jesus and a therapist too. Now, it's funny, but it's not funny to some people. I'm stunned. You know, I recommend people to go see a counselor all the time. And a few folks are like, what? But I have a pastor for that. No, you don't. You don't want me to be your counselor. And nor should pastors counsel unless they have a degree and are skilled. Yeah, but they have the Holy Spirit. So do you. Sorry, this is this is one of my pet peeves. Obviously, that's why it triggered me and made me stop and ponder. When somebody recommends to see a counselor, it's like going, "Hey, my foot hurts, which it does. Um, go see a doctor, which I should have and I will. But something's up that somebody else can help deal with." So when somebody suggests to you you see a counselor or therapist, it's not an insult. And it doesn't even have to be a Christian counselor because some of them are not that great. Somebody who's actually trained. I, I, sorry, I, I've got friends who are, um, uh, what do they call it? It's, they're psychologists and there's um, psychotherapists. I have a number of friends who are psychotherapists and they're, they're really good. and They come from a, a, a Christian background and now serve all faiths. And it's not about your faith because... It's us being human and the training of how we think and work and training our minds. So anyway, that was, didn't mean to take too long on that, but that was funny at first, but it's really true. I love this one. This is the pause in your stressful week, because I'm sick of winter, and I'm really just sick of winter, and this was a nice pause. Say, Pooh, why aren't you busy, I said. Because it's a nice day, said Pooh. Yes, but why ruin it, he said. But you could be doing something important, I said. I am, said Pooh. Oh, doing what? Listening, he said. Listening to what? To the birds and that squirrel over there. Well, what are they saying, I asked. That it's a nice day, said Pooh. But you know that already, I said. Yes, but it's always good to hear that someone else thinks so, too the pause. It's easy to get caught up in frustrations and the busyness and problems and people and social issues, you name it, news issues, when sometimes we need to pause and take in life and nature. I think God speaks to us in the nature more than we possibly realize. You don't have to rebuild a relationship with everyone you've forgiven. Just because you're at peace doesn't mean they're still not toxic. This is an important reminder for those, if you've not taken the forgiveness series that uh, uh, we went through at the beginning of last year or heard my series on understanding forgiveness, this is important. You can still forgive someone and not have to be in a relationship with them because they may not have changed. You have. And so the lie is, well, if you forgive and you should be able to be in a relationship with them. No, that's the lie. Don't think like that. And I'm, I'm putting it out there. This is not a sermon because I've taught on this enough times. If that triggers you the wrong way, great. You can reach out to me and I'll give you my reasons why. But this is important. And when I saw it this week, I went, yeah, we don't talk about this enough. We don't talk about forgiveness enough. I love this one. So I showed this to the pastor that was speaking over on the other side. She said, send me that. (laughs) A heretic is just a person who tells the truth too early. A heretic has been, the term has been thrown and flung around in religious circles too freely by people who are unqualified. You have to remember, to call someone a heretic in... Let's say even five, six hundred years ago, it wasn't an individual that was allowed to determine that you were a heretic. It had to be a council of people who usually had a political reason to get rid of you. But when you look into the word heretic, it means someone who knows how to think for themselves. It really is. It's, being a heretic can be a real good compliment in some ways. And only to find out that some of the people that were killed for heresy were telling the truth long before, but the people couldn't receive it at that time, so they were killed. Hence, someone who tells the truth just a bit too early. I love this. Billy Graham writes, whether they come from, he said this on a show, whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world or the Christian world or the non-believing world, They are members of the body of Christ. They may not even know the name of Jesus, but they know in their hearts that they need something that they don't have. And they turn to the only light that they have. And I think that they are saved and that they are going to be with us in heaven. You know how many people that ticked off? This really caused a firestorm. In fact, the Billy Graham Association tried to debunk it and say, no, no, he didn't mean that, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yes, he did. You see, as we mature and grow in our understanding of God's love for us, our concept of who God is must continue to mature, and our concept and love of others must also mature. And Billy Graham bless his heart in a beautiful way, he said something no one else could at that time. I think it was on Dr. Schuler's show at the time. And this, this is a big, big statement coming from a person who has seen faiths, religions around the world. Those of us here in Elmira, if you've never really traveled much and this is the only place you've known faith or in KW, whatever, and you've not explored faith on a missions trip or elsewhere or whatever, you can, you can have a really, you don't know it, but you have one size faith in how you've been taught and told. But when you begin to expand and get to know other people from different backgrounds, different faiths, it will change you and you start to see connections. I like how he said the Buddhist and the Muslim world because there are elements of their faith that sound so much like Jesus. It isn't. But maybe the source is? Oh, we can't give that credit, can we? Why not? I like what Paul Young said. He said, uh, not every road leads to Jesus, but Jesus will go down every road with you. And I thought, okay, we're trying to control the narrative. If we can just relax and let Jesus love us and love everyone else, It solves a lot of problems. It really does. Mostly in our judgmentalism. But anyway, one man was asked, what did you gain by regularly praying to God? And the man replied, nothing. But let me tell you what I lost. Anger, ego, greed, depression, insecurity, and fear of death. Sometimes the answer to our prayers is not gaining, but losing which ultimately is a gain. We've often talked about what prayer is and what's the point of prayer. If God knows everything's gonna happen, why bother praying? There's more to it. It's for your benefit. And if you're asking why bother praying, it might mean you have a definition of prayer that is quite religious in its context and there's a more beautiful way to understand prayer, which I've been hoping to get to for the last year and I haven't gotten to it yet. But I I, want to zoom in on that at some point. I thought that's why this triggered me and I wanted to share it with you. Two more, I think. When love is the way, poverty would become history. When love is the way, the earth will be a sanctuary. When love is the way, we will lay our swords and shields down by the riverside. To study war no more. Oh, I love that song. When love is the way, there's plenty of room for all of God's children. Now, click that back to what Billy Graham just said. <laughs> Mike Yankinelli, The grace of God is dangerous. It's lavish, excessive, outrageous, and scandalous. God's grace is re. Ridiculously inclusive. Apparently, God doesn't care who he loves. He is not very careful about the people he calls his friends or the people he calls his church. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, not every one of these is going to hit you. Last one, Brian Zond. This is a deep one. We rethink our lives, which is what it means to repent, Not so we can escape a doomed planet, but in order to participate in God's design to redeem the human person and renovate human society in Christ. Salvation is a restoration project, not an evacuation project. I love that. I hope you enjoyed those. Those were, I had to cut out about five or six others that I couldn't share. It's like, uh, Maybe some Sunday I'll just do a meme sermon. <laughs> anyway. All right. Time for a devotional from Henry now. And this one's really, 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 really good. The descending way of Jesus. Jesus represents to us the great mystery of the descending way. It is the way of suffering. But also the way of healing. It is the way of humiliation. Humiliation but also the way to resurrection. It is the way of tears, but of tears that will turn into tears of joy. It is the way of hiddenness, but also the way that leads to the light that will shine for all people. It is the way of persecution, oppression, martyrdom, and death, but also the way to the full disclosure of God's love. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, As Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You see, in these words, how the descending way of Jesus becomes the ascending way. The lifting up that Jesus speaks of refers both to his being raised up on the cross in total humiliation and to his being raised up from the dead in total glorification. Each one of us has to seek out his or her own descending way of love that calls for much prayer, much patience, and much guidance. It has nothing at all to do with spiritual heroics, dramatically throwing everything overboard to follow Jesus. The descending way is a way that is concealed in each person's heart. But because it is so seldom walked on, it's often overgrown with weeds. Slowly but surely, we have to clear the weeds, open the way, and set out on it unafraid. This is the message Jesus came for. That concept is the first time, not from this quote, but when it was first introduced to me that the way is by seeing Jesus, he submitted to us. Well, we're supposed to submit to Jesus, yes, but how even more insane and lavish and scandalous is it that Jesus submits to us? He submitted to us. To the cross and let his life be taken because he gave it. This, the way of Jesus is much deeper and better than what we've been told. Like that one line, you know, we've got to give everything up for Jesus and sacrifice everything for Jesus. It's like, wait, somebody misunderstood it. And people have paid dearly in their own lives for faulty concepts of what that can mean. The journey to Easter. Last week we started with Joshua, where he, is, he meets somebody standing before him with a drawn sword. And Joshua went to him and said, are you one of us or one of our adversaries? And the angel or person said, neither. This is what I want to keep as the signature or the framework or the brackets that we're going to be, as we're looking through this, the plots that are being uh, orchestrated to take out the life of Jesus it's, it's not for the Jews and not for the Gentiles. It's neither. This is, this is Jesus doing it for humanity. All the plots to kill the Prince of Peace. The last week we talked about the no hometown hero, where he claimed equality with God, and they were really ticked. And then we also talked about he called God his father and did a Sabbath healing. And that each time, oh, they started to plot. Like, God, this is nuts. This is blasphemy. We've got to kill this guy. Well, today we're going to get into Luke Uh, Chapter 6, verses 1 to 11, discussion about the Sabbath. By the way, the Sabbath thing really, really triggers them. It happens often in in the uh, Gospels where Jesus does stuff on the Sabbath and really ticks off the religious leaders. I know growing up I had to um, not work as much on a Sunday. We weren't allowed to take shifts at work or we weren't allowed to do home labor, mowing the lawn, uh, all kinds of weird stuff that we we're just weren't allowed to do. We had to take naps, ugh. It was like, are you kidding? And then we had to go to church like a lot. Like Sunday morning, three hours. I had to go for the English service, then stay for science school, and then we had to go to the German service, and then my dad had to count money, so we didn't get home till one o'clock. Then we had to eat, take a nap. Oh, and then maybe wake up in time to go to the evening service, but Walt Disney was on. And so we never saw the last 10 minutes ever. It's just the way it was, you know, six to seven o'clock. Once in a while my dad would say, "Oh, if we can, we can stay home." yay." It was all good, anyway. Um, but that was our Sundays, and it was, it was the Sabbath. Because of these rules, we took a, um, a Hebrew rule and ported it into our culture. Is there value in taking a day off? Absolutely. but don't make it religious. Don't make it about being more holy. Every day is holy. Don't call one day more holy than the other. What do you do with that verse then? But, but, like, if you only think through some of these things, you go, wait a minute. So let's see what he does on this day. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off heads of the grain, rubbed it off the husk in their hands, and ate the grain. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, that's, that's a terrible thing to do. But some Pharisees said, why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? They called that a little bit, oh, you're, you're farming, that's work, that's harvesting. Now, can you think of the good legalist in your world that has called you out on such hyperbole and detail and, and what is nothing? They just make a mountain out of this tiny little thing. Yeah, you can probably all think of somebody. I sure can. But anyway, Jesus replied, oh, Haven't you read in the scriptures? Nothing like throwing the scriptures back in their face. (laughs) What David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread... That only the priests can eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Jesus added, the son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Keep in mind, he did not really call himself son of God. Some translations slide it in. But he called himself the son of man. Okay? So he is beginning, and every once in a while, and he only does it with religious leaders, I think, if I see the pattern enough. It's mostly with the religious leaders. He identifies himself as the son of man. And his position of who he is. So he's equating himself as one. On another Sabbath day, a man was deformed right with a deformed right hand, was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. Let's pause there for a second. What were the Pharisees doing in the stupid field, anyway? Like, that's creepy. You want to talk about stalkers? Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't start in this generation. <laughs> here they're watching Jesus closely. If he healed the man's hand, they plan to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Are you seeing a pattern here? But Jesus knew their thoughts. Pause. Why and how could Jesus know their thoughts? Some people will immediately say, well, he's the son of God. He knows everything. No. No. I think it's more than that. I think it's deeper and better than that. Yes, he's the son of God, but he was not living out of his divinity, able to know all things. He was living out of his humanity, abiding in his father, and his father was telling him things as he was going. As he was there, that's when his father was saying, hey, psst, those guys in those funny hats, this is what they're thinking of doing. Oh, 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 this could be fun. Anyway, I'm kidding. But this is, that's how the thoughts were known. He said to the man with a deformed hand, come and stand in front of me, everyone. So the man came forward. Then Jesus said to his critics, remember they hadn't said anything, they only thought it. I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? Pause for a minute. Part of the religious Sabbath rules They do have some minor loopholes. If your donkey falls into a hole or your sheep falls into a hole, you're allowed to get it out. That's it. And not have it called work. A lame person isn't more valuable than that? Just think of that. This is Jesus knew this. He looked around them one by one and then said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. <sighs> Ever been to a church meeting when things are unreasonable and there's a fight going on between two factions? <laughs> That's what this is like. They didn't hear a word he said. They just saw the work. Oh, that's awful. And they zoomed in on that act and blotted out humanity and only live by the rules. I usually tick off people that are like that naturally. I was having a chat with Russ this morning about personality types and stuff. Yeah, we're quite similar in some ways. Um, But this is over the top. This is about the religious rules, and now we're starting to see a pattern of how many times Jesus does this, and on the Sabbath. He's rubbing it in. Oh, good. Um, the next one, the fourth one, John 8, uh, it says, the people retorted, you Samaritan devil. Didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? Oh, that's, that's grand. You know, how would you like to have somebody call you filled with a demon, Some of you have been told. I have. I've been told that. I won't get into it now because it'll mess it up. So, no, Jesus said, I have no demon in me for I honor my father and you dishonor me. And And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth. Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Oh, this is where it gets good. The people said, now we know you're possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died. But you say, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. They're they're connecting the dots that many people would not. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? That was part of the very first story I shared last week. Who do you think this person is? This is just Joseph's son. Who do you think you are? Jesus answered, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it is my Father who will glorify me. You say he is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you. Did you catch that, dig? He is calling them liars. And not just subtly. He's ticking them off. I can just hear the disciples, okay, we don't need this attention right now. Okay, Jesus, chill. (laughs) Uh, But I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. And the people said, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say you've even seen Abraham? I, I was thinking about this last night. What a stupid question or comment Like if he's 100 years old, same problem. He's got to be a couple thousand years old for it to make sense, but you're not even 50. Wait a minute, did they think 50 was old? (laughs) This is not good. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. Okay, a couple things. The I am, they knew what I am meant. That's how God described himself. Who are you? I am. And he just identified that. They picked up stones to throw at him, but I guess he had this cool invisibility cloak or something. I don't know. But they couldn't find him. What's with that? It's like last week he was at the edge of a cliff. They're going to push him over the cliff to kill him. And he kind of walked through like the parted waters and got through them. What's with that? This is how the story is remembered. One more. John 10, verse 31 to 39. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. This has happened a couple times. Remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four different authors covering many of the similar stories some details are mixed up some remember differently and so that's why you got to be careful the bible plainly says (laughs) because do you mean in mark or do you mean in luke like which which one are you referring to it's really funny um but anyway this is another one where they picked up stones to kill him jesus said at my father's direction i have done many good works for which one are you going to stone me Because Jesus was doing great works, healing people. This was non-negotiable. This this is like visual evidence, which was drawing the crowds. And his reputation was growing and growing and growing, which, by the way, is really important when we come to Easter. Because by then, it really had grown. They replied, we're stoning you, not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Pause. Pause. We think this calling someone out as a blasphemer and then the right to kill them is a new thing in certain religious cultures today. No. They did it too. It's not new. I think this is a revelation of our judgments against even one particular group, the Muslim faith, And we say, how could they do that? The Jewish faith did it, not just to anyone either, but to Jesus, of all people, to do that to. But they didn't do it because of the good things. They knew he was calling himself equal to God, which to them was blasphemy. Huh. Jesus replied, It is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are God's. And you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called God's, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the son of God? After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. See, there was this concept of we are all God's that doesn't mean you are god and i think people today and I've, I've heard this a lot in the last number of years they're taking it way too far they 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 think well uh, god is me i am i i am god well no you're not you're you're not the source of life you're not the source of of holding all things together nice try if you were you would be independent and separate so careful with the terminology. I know what you mean, but you're overrunning the base for some historical writings, your gods. As in, this is the term. You can look it up some more later. But this is, I'm drawing the picture of why Jesus is gonna be, tried, be killed again. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miracles, miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe me, Jesus is saying, look, do you not see all the stuff that nobody else can do? Believe that. If you can't believe my words, because I'm obviously ticking you off, then at least believe this. He's calling to their humanity. And they weren't having anything to do with it. They wanted the rules. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. That is a blunt, bold statement for Jesus to make. Once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. Eat your heart out, Houdini. You thought you were good. There's more. We'll continue next week. There's some historians who don't feel that these elements of a plot were enough, that they weren't really the reason why Jesus was killed. That's fine. Some will say it was a Roman thing. The Romans wanted them gone, and there's, a, there's another narrative. I don't think they need to be separated. I think they're probably blended all together. I'm just showing you the pattern from the scriptures. You can go and read them yourself. It's, that's why I'm putting them up here, so you can see for yourself. There's a pattern going on. When you see the next ones, you go, oh, my goodness, this is really getting loud. And by the time we're done, you're going to, that's a lot of planning and plotting. And you can see how rage can build up. And the reason you can see why rage can build up because we do it too. We do it to those we love. We do it to those we can't stand. We build up keeping those memories of hurts and faults and we build up a wrath. That's why the topic of forgiveness is so critical. Because by the time Jesus says these words, the reaction, the immediate reaction is kill them, get rid of them. Well, that isn't normal. (laughs) It just isn't. Anyway, I look forward to next week's. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may your love and grace be our normal reaction. But some of us have more healing to do before that becomes a true pattern. Will you show us that we're loved by you? will you reveal your life in us like you did to Paul on the road to Damascus? You revealed your life in him, not to him. Please, reveal Christ in us, especially when we're discouraged, especially when we're trying to understand this insanely good love from you to us. It just doesn't seem, it's just too good to be true. Well, Can you take down those barriers that are hindering us from believing this? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.